So again, what is it really if it's not parental alienation? What is it? It is domestic violence by proxy. And there are really significant problems with this language, right? Let's think of all the misconceptions and myths about domestic violence. Just that term. Welcome to the Rising Beyond podcast, where you can find hope and healing after a toxic or abusive relationship. I'm Sybil Cummin, a licensed professional counselor specializing in working with victims and survivors of domestic violence and narcissistic abuse, including the youngest witnesses. Over the past decade, I have been honored to witness victims move to survivors and then to thriving in their lives. If you feel alone in your healing process, are dealing with the onslaught of post-separation abuse, or just needing some validation that you are not crazy, you are in the right place. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rising Beyond podcast. I'm Sybil Cummin, and today we are going to go there. Yep, we are going to talk about the most polarizing topic within the domestic violence and narcissistic abuse world, and that is parental alienation. If you are in this world, you know this term. If you are a survivor, if you are dealing with post-separation abuse, you know this term. And if you are a mental health professional, you may have heard this term kind of thrown around in the background and not really know what it's about, if it's real, is this a real thing, and what to do about it. And so I really want to share Based on my experiences, I am trained as a a child therapist. I do play therapy, and I really specialize in working with children who have experienced child abuse and neglect, domestic violence, and sexual abuse. That is where my background is before I jumped into um, working with adult survivors. And through the literature, the peer-reviewed literature that is out there right now, and my goal is to really offer you information And I want you to have the autonomy to make your own decisions, to get out there and read about it. Do your, you know, due diligence before just jumping on a bandwagon, because I think that's really important. And so if you have really strong views of parental alienation, what I'm saying may go against what you believe right now. And so what I'm asking of you is to just be open. And to listen and be curious, listen with curiosity, because that is the only way we are going to get anywhere in this world. So why am I calling this episode the myth of parental alienation? Because the word or that label parental alienation or parental alienation syndrome is not a credible label. It comes from a pretty horrific history, and I'm going to get into some of that. And guess what? There's been another term for what you might be experiencing right now if you're like, no, Sybil, you don't know what the F you're talking about because my child has been alienated against me or my child has been turned against me by my abuser. And there's actually another word for that that's been around way longer than this whole parental alienation thing, and that is domestic violence by proxy. So I do believe 
right? Do abusive parents try to use children against and turn children against a protective or target parent? Yes, they do. Can this be done by both genders, both types of caregivers? Yes, it can be. Is it really parental alienation? No. No, it's not. It is domestic violence by proxy, which actually means abuse by a third party. And most often it is used, you know, if children are around, they're the ones that are going to be used. So we're actually going to talk about the major problems that are around right now with the language and with the labeling of these behaviors, because it is causing confusion. It is causing a lot of harm in our world. So parental alienation, kind of a definition of how I believe parental alienation to be, is this is a term that is used by an abusive parent who has just been separated from their target parent and they have children. And so it is a legal defense It is not a mental health condition of children. I've worked with children in the mental health field since 2006. I have worked with so many victims, child victims of domestic violence, child abuse and neglect, sexual abuse, and parental alienation syndrome does not exist. Are children um, rejecting of certain parents? Yes. Do some parents try to coach their child? Yep. Do parents talk trash about the other parent in hopes that the kids won't want to be with that other parent? Sure. But the way it is deemed in these family courts just isn't true. And so I'm going to go over a little bit of the history. So just so you know, the term parental alienation or parental alienation syndrome, PAS, has been rejected by the American Psychological Association, the American Medical Association, and the World Health Organization. And why is that? Well, first, its origins are not scientific. They're not scientifically based. They are solely clinical observations. And they are clinical observations of this man, psychologist, Richard Gardner. And when we look at clinical observations, right, I'm sharing my clinical observations. So my clinical observations are based kind of in my views of the world, right? What do I notice in sessions with my kids? So his clinical observations are also based in his views of the world. And so we need to look at those views. And he has some pretty extreme views on women, He has some pretty extreme views on child sexual abuse and pedophilia, and they're creepy. Not going to lie about that. They're super gross. And so I'm just going to share two of his quotes. You can search him and learn a little bit more about what his belief system is. But, and I quote, pedophilia has been considered the norm by the vast majority of individuals in the history of the world. That's one quote. And This one makes me want to squirm. I squirm as I read it. It is because of our society or how our society overreacts to pedophilia that children suffer. Okay, y'all. So in his view, pedophilia is not all that harmful to children. Now, I can tell you, based on my work with children, that it is. 
that it can be extremely harmful to children. And if you listening have experienced child sexual abuse, specifically from a caregiver or a family member, I want you to think of how harmful that was to you before you believe anything that this person asserts. Okay, so we can't really base our full belief system on this. And his work really was in helping to defend child sexual abusers and to say that there's this other reason that these children are rejecting the parent. It must be the other caregiver. So the the mom must be alienating the child for the child not to want to be with their sexual abuser. So this, ladies and gentlemen, is where the term comes in. It's where it comes from. And boy, has it been used to the greatest advantage in family court. So I want you to remember that there are so many reasons why a child would not have a secure relationship with one parent. Okay, so first, guess what? If they have been sexually abused, physically abused, or neglected by a parent, yeah, they may, through a trauma response, try to be close to that parent, right? So not all children are going to be are fully reject the parent. If their safety is in order, they will potentially align with that parent to keep themselves safe, right? The more I stroke that parent's ego, the safer I will be right? If I continue to fawn, I will be safer. So you will see that. But very often, if these children believe that there's a safe alternative, so their protective parent has left and is now doing everything in their power to keep their baby safe, that child has an experience of safety and then will reject what is not safe. Sometimes the reason they reject the other parent is based in attachment, So attachment starts when that little baby comes out, right? When we are, you know, securely connected to them and giving, you know, making sure their needs are met. And so if one caregiver is meeting the needs while the other caregiver caregiver is really absent, their connection to that absent caregiver is not going to be as secure. So are both parents involved in diaper changes? Are both parents involved in bath time, bedtime, you know, soothing, you know, when your kiddo is screaming at night, do both parents take that role? You know, if they do not have a secure attachment to the other parent because of just kind of that neglectful kind of parenting, guess what? (laughs) They're potentially going to reject that parent or they're just not going to feel secure to that parent. If they have witnessed domestic violence in the home, they've witnessed one caregiver harm their secure, safe parent, they will likely reject that other parent. Unless what I was talking about before, they don't see that that is safe for them. So then they might align and they might fawn. But see, and we could go over this for days, right? This episode, I don't want it to be hours long. But there are so many reasons why a child might reject a parent. So again, what is it really if it's not parental alienation? What is it? It is domestic violence by proxy. And there are really significant problems with this language, right? Let's think of all the misconceptions and myths about domestic violence. Just that term. So what if you are not punched in the face? 
Or what if there's no physical or sexual abuse present? Are you a victim of domestic violence? If you believe kind of those common myths out there or legal definitions, then no, you will not subscribe to that. What if you're a male, right? Our misconception of what a victim of domestic violence is, is a young, uneducated female, right? That is what we see. That's what we're shown is a victim of domestic violence. So if you're a man, but you're experiencing coercive control and domestic violence in your relationship, you may not subscribe to the term domestic violence by proxy. And professionals around you that have these same misconceptions may not subscribe to that either. So we also know why this is really horrible language is if domestic violence is mentioned in court, you have worse outcomes with regard to custody of your children. So yes, if you are a safe, protective parent and you say that you have been abused by the other parent, or if you allege child abuse, neglect, sexual abuse, the research says you have poor outcomes. You have worse outcomes with regard to custody. Why is that? Dun, dun, dun. The term parental alienation comes into play. So even though there are the numbers of people with fal- who falsely report are so low, there's this perception that it is really high and that all women lie about this, right? So we've got a lot stacked up against us. So there's this other, you know, piece of parental alienation is, is how it was described is that it could be an unconscious process from one parent to the other, that they are unconsciously making these children fear the other parent. So there is some credibility to that because our children do really feel if we are anxious, they are really attuned to us. And, you know, if you're super anxious, it's really hard to co-regulate your kiddos. However, it does not reach the level where they would completely reject that other parent. They may have some anxiety around that parent, but they would not completely reject them as happens in a lot of these cases. So what I want you to look at is, well, what, it, what am I experiencing? It feels like parental alienation. I want you to look at the origins, not just you know what we talked about the history, but the origins in your relationship. So when there is domestic violence by proxy, there are patterns before you leave. There are threats made before you leave. So you can see patterns of children being used against you, of counterparenting, of them degrading you in front of the children, them using you, you know, kind of triangulating like, oh, we didn't get to go to that fun thing because mom said no. Mom's no fun or vice versa, right? It doesn't have to be the mom because this is not solely you know, gender-based. You know, men can experience this too. So you will see patterns of this before you leave, right? So have they threatened to take your children from you if you leave? Have they said things like, you are not mentally stable enough, no, you know, child protection or judge is going to let you have these children? Guess what? That's a pattern. And we know then that they are already trying to use domestic violence by proxy or use the children to abuse you. 
So I want you to think of what actually has happened before I left or if you haven't left yet. This is just, you know, kind of a sobering reminder of stuff you need to know about. So if all of a sudden you are getting, you know, you file for divorce and you show up at your first court hearing and you hear the term parental alienation and she is a gatekeeper or he is alienating the children from me, but there's no pattern. There's no pattern before. It is the term used just for legal purposes. And that is it. So what do you do? Uh, What do you do if that term is thrown around in court because it carries a lot of weight right now in court? And while, you know, many people believe that, you know, you're totally screwed right now because of how our family court system is set up. Yes, our family court system, we need so much reform, but I want to be able to give you some things you can do right now, you know, in spite of or despite of, I actually don't know which language is correct there, but of how our family courts are. So you need to, instead of using the labels, and I understand, man, a label can feel so good if you're like feeling like a total crazy person and confused all the time. And then this label comes out and it feels like it resonates. You are going to grab hold and just like hold on and hold on and hold on. So I I do get the importance of that for you. It is not going to help you in court and to keep your baby safe. So instead, I really want you to focus on documenting your observations, documenting the patterns within your relationship. So there's a lot of ways to do this. So don't use your personal journal because if that is ever subpoenaed into court, dear Lord, they can use whatever they want from that journal. So you're going to have a separate journal in the Rising Beyond community. We call things the Trapper Keeper 2000 because we're all from the 80s and we love us some Lisa Frank Trapper Keepers, but just some sort of notebook, journal, calendar, whatever it might be. And you are going to document the patterns. So this is if you feel like you are a victim of this, you are going to look back and think of when these things have been done in your past. Document. If there's a way to have actual evidence for, you need to get that. If you are on the other side and they are claiming that you are the alienator, you need to be able to document basically that you're not. And Find ways to document to refute that narrative, that false narrative. So I've talked about this in other episodes, but you need to, you know, the way you communicate with your abusive ex through your co-parenting app, please get a co-parenting app that is court admissible. You need to use the techniques that I have talked about. So one of them is the BIF technique, which is brief, informative, friendly, and firm. You need to show that you are not alienating, right? That you are, and it's gross, like, yep, you have to stomach that you need to be somewhat friendly, but that is going to protect you in court. So you need to offer visit times. You need to document, are they showing up for visits? Are they showing up for these visits that they are fighting so hard to get 50-50 or full custody, but then they're actually not taking their parenting time? document, 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 communicate well. You need to follow the court orders to a T. 
And that seems so frustrating because you're like, uh, yeah, but my ex isn't following him and he doesn't even get in trouble. Doesn't matter. We are going to follow them to a T because that will protect you and will protect your kids. You are going to do everything you can to educate yourself without burning yourself out because there is such a thing. You are going to take care of yourself. You are going to find a therapist that understands what we're talking about here. If you have a hard time finding that, you're going to find a support group. You are going to come join the Rising Beyond community. Whatever you need to do, you need to have someone in your corner where you do not have to defend yourself every day. You need to do good self-care because this is, right, the long haul, especially if you're fighting the claims of parental alienation. You need your child to have a really good child therapist. I am somewhat biased that a play therapist or some sort of experiential therapy is the best model, but there's also some really good benefits to that for court. I see coaching in my practice, not often, but enough, where a child, a six-year-old will come in and say something like, my dad touched me inappropriately. I'm like, really? And when I follow up with more questions about what inappropriately means, they don't know. They have no idea what that means. And sometimes they say, you know, my mom told me to tell you this. Or my dad told me to tell, tell you my mom's boyfriend is touching me inappropriately. And the same thing. I follow up. They don't know what I'm, I'm talking about. But it is so much harder for a parent to coach their child to play with me in a specific way that will alert me to, you know, what's going on in the home, right? There are things that I look for in play and not one child does it exactly like the other. So it is really, really hard. So if my little ones are talking to me, I can usually tell if there's coaching. It's so much harder to coach art or to coach play therapy, right? It is so much harder. So that's why I am subscribing to that. And I know it works because I do it. And I really want you to look at the big picture. It is so easy to get into the little fights, like the little things that you're going through. I need you to look at the bigger, larger picture as you're going through this. So again, I'm sure I could talk about these things forever. But I thought it was really important for me to hop on and share because I just continue to see it over and over and over and over, even with um, a lot of mental health professionals will use this term. And we just need, we need a better term than domestic violence by proxy, but parental alienation is just going to, it's just used in such a yucky way that it really can't be used when there is that um, using children against. So I hope this was helpful. I'm going to post, so like if you want more research on this or more information, I'm going to post um, Joan Meyer's research in the show notes and uh, maybe some other ones that I see. There's research going on right now. So this is actually pretty young in the field. And if in a couple years I start seeing things different and I read something that is a peer-reviewed article with not just you know, one or two participants, right? So some of the, the research right now from the reunification camps, which is a whole nother episode potentially, they're 
subjects or the number of people that are in their studies is like 12. Nope, that's not a big enough number. And where are they coming from? Your reunification camp. So anyways, that's a whole nother, whole nother matter. I will leave that to another time, but I hope this was helpful for you. If you have questions, reach out to me. Please do not hesitate. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your questions. I hope, again, this was helpful, and I will catch you on the next episode of the Rising Beyond podcast. If you're healing from relationship abuse and are looking for support and sisterhood during this journey, I'd love to invite you to the Rising Beyond community, where you will get expert guidance, connection with others going through similar experiences, and a safe place where you'll always feel seen, heard, and believed. To learn more and to join, go to www.risingbeyondpc.com. We'd love to be a part of your healing journey.